and welcome to Geeks with Shield, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ork, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, Axel? Uh, you know what? It's fine. I'm still unemployed, so my sleep schedule's all messed up, but otherwise, I had a fine day, so... Mm-hmm. Can't ask for more. Um, I'd also like to welcome our special guest, host of the Chipman Brothers Tangent, Talkbuster, Creating Geeks, and Shooting the Shit with the Chippa, Chris Chipman. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> I think this is the first time we've had a, uh, a guest that's like, I mean, no offense to Wretched, <laughs> but a, a guest who's like an actual guest. <laughs> oh, dude, that, that also makes me feel awesome. I, <laughs> I, I, I like that people like what I do. It makes yeah. me happy. Yeah, yeah I mean, first official uh, podcaster. Woohoo! I mean, I enjoy certainly your uh, your podcast. I've listened to a couple myself. I mean, that's why we invited you. So, <laughs> oh, I I appreciate that. I enjoy yours too. I've been uh, catching up on it. Um, m- mostly listening to the um, type of show I'm going to be on, just to make sure I I kind of get the gist. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've I've been enjoying them. Yeah, we're pretty relaxed here, so no worries. Oh, I- I've I've got it the same way, you know. I I'd, I'd rather create and know that people like what I'm creating rather than put a a big amount of stress on me. That's what the day job's for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm an engineer when I am working. I believe you are too. So I I am. I can uh, uh, empathize. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, can you build me a death ray? Because I've been trying to convince Axel to build me a death ray, and he says it's not possible. Um, well, I no, I didn't say it's not possible. I'm an electrical engineer, and that involves more than just one electrical engineer. Well, I'm a mechanical engineer, so together we are wild stallions. Or death ray creators, one of the two. All right, world domination, here we come. See, we're, we're on our way. All right. A good idea. All right. Uh, before we begin, we'd like to thank our patrons for their ongoing support. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Orion McCann, and Chris Chipman. Woohoo! Now, if you'd like to become a patron, just head on over to our Patreon page, Geeks with Shield. It only costs you 25 cents an episode, and you would not believe how much it goes into this podcast. Plus, the longer we make that list, the the more my bet goes on for how many names that Or will keep saying before he's done with this particular ritual. <laughs> I think it's an awesome thing that you guys do. I am, um, I'm planning on my, my patron list exploded. Um, I don't know if I told you guys how this thing came about, but it was, it was kind of a uh, secret gift to me from my brother um, who I do the Chipman brothers tangent with. He, uh, he knows that I don't have time to create and him and I used to make movies and write scripts and do everything. And, you know, with work and family and as he would put it, you know, doing things the right way, which, which I don't fully agree with, but, but either way, um, you know, we, uh, he decided to say, Hey, my fans would like me to do a podcast. You should do a podcast with me. And I thought it'd be like, I'd be a guest. And then we did a bunch of them. And then he let me name it. Then next thing I knew he was at my house, helping me create a Patreon. And so, um, he's like, yeah, this was yours the whole time, man. And so <laughs> yeah, kind of every, everything else kind of spawned from there. So, um, I, uh, I plan on doing a, an episode or a recording where I go through my entire patron list, past and present. And the fact that you guys thank them every time, I think, is awesome. As long as it's, yeah, as long as it's uh, feasible to do, we'll, yeah. we'll have to figure out a new plan once it becomes unfeasible. But for now, oh, we can. Absolutely. I'm talk faster. That, that I'll just keep, you know, I can do it. I'll right, be like so, a micro machines guy. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love those commercials. What All is right. he up to these days? I bet you we can get him on the podcast. 
Uh, I'm going to be an auctioneer somewhere. Uh, oh. So what are we supposed to be doing today, Ulrich? Uh, we're doing a gone, another, another sort of gone but not forgotten. Uh, for those of you tuning in for the first time, gone but not forgotten is a episode type we do where we essentially take this opportunity to tell you about things that maybe aren't as well known as they should be, be they movies, TV shows, video games, what have you. Um, we've done a lot of these. They've been fairly popular. And surprisingly, we have yet to run out of obscure things to talk about. Well, it's, it's an exercise in self-indulgence, but it's a fun one. A podcast itself is an exercise in self-indulgence. You've got me there. We're convincing ourselves people want to listen to us talk for an hour. Okay, true it's enough. It's surprising how many people do. I listen. I think I did. I think I listened like 40 hours of podcasts a week. Holy well, crap. It, well, it's funny because Ulrich and I we used to have this habit, right, where we'd be hanging out with like four or five other people, but then we'd start talking about some topic and just take the room. So literally it could go like 40 minutes of everyone just sitting around while we are just back and forth. It's one of the reasons why finally we were like, we should start recording this. Yeah. Someone out there has got to listen to it. And thus far you do. If you're tuning and listening to this, you actually want to hear what we have to say. All right. Well, anyway, what's uh what's our first topic? Uh, I'm going to go with a really weird show. I only discovered last year called wonderfall. Have you ever heard of this one? No, no. All right. This isn't, it's an interesting one. Um, it's set in Niagara Falls. This girl has an accident, head injury of sorts. Kind of uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened. She goes to toss a coin into a fountain. It ricochets off, bounces something, hits her in the head. And when she wakes up, things talk to her. And when I say things like there's a little brass monkey or uh, Derek Kimmer, and they give her these cryptic clues. Like one of them is have a pancake. So, so it's like Pee Wee's Niagara Falls, sorta. It's more, but the thing is, like the example, the example uses, you know, she's having breakfast with her parents, and the coffee creamer of the cow says, "Have a pancake." Like, I want a pancake. What do you? Who are you talking to? And it's revealed that whatever this force is is telling her to do these things because it ends up helping somebody. Oh, like, it's a really great comedy. It's hilarious because of you know the random the things that you never know what's going to talk to her and give her the weird little one-off suggestion of what to do and how it's going to play out. And it's a hilarious show that was canceled for the ultimate early 2000s reason in that it had a gay character and the network wasn't comfortable with that. Oh no. <laughs> is that, yeah. that really the reason? That yes. Seems... Her sister, who is a super uptight businesswoman, discovers that she's a lesbian and, you know, isn't comfortable coming out with it because again, this is the late nineties, early two thousands. And, you know, the episode where she discovered this, she has her first lesbian experience, but it's totally off scene, kind of played for laughs. And I guess the network wasn't comfortable with this. And this show was summarily canceled. And unfortunately, the next season was going to go into exploring more of this power, where it came from. And eventually they pitched her going to a mental asylum. So is there only one season of the show? There's only one season of this show, but it is freaking hilarious. And again, it all starts with some random object tells her some random thing. Doesn't make any sense. Have a pancake, go to the market. And it unfolds into this big thing of her helping somebody. And, oh, uh, Rick, what, what network was this on? Oh, I see. That's the thing. I don't know what network it was on because I've only watched it on DVD. I'm going to Google real quick and find out what network that was on. Yeah, I was about to ask, where is this available? You just have it on DVD? Actually, it was a friend of mine had it on DVD. It's like, have you ever seen 
Wonderfalls. I'm like, what is Wonderfalls? Like, it's this great show here. Check it out. So here's the plot synopsis. A 20-something Niagara Falls souvenir shop worker finds her life has changed forever when inanimate animal figures, toys, cartoon images, etc. begin talking to her. The cryptic message sends into motion a chain of events that invariably leads her to the lives of others. This sounds like uh, it, it sounds like something in a, like a supernatural kind of vein. It's so we would have loved this show. On it's you know seventy five percent Rotten Tomatoes, eight point two on IMDb. Where did you air? Is there anyone in it that we would know? Like any names? I don't know, but again, like I discovered last week with uh, or not last week, but a previous episode with Charlie Cox in in Stardust. Stardust. <laughs> yeah. That totally surprised me. Nope, not recognizing anybody here. So this is totally like just I mean, that's really appropriate for the show oh. then, because I'd never even heard of this. Oh, right. This is awesome. It it sounds like something that would have been one step away from being a late nineties or mid nineties like snick pitch. Oh, like wow. a sequel world of Eric's Mac kind of two thousand seven and it got cancelled for huh. It's on Fox, but oh, yeah. See, that explains the cancellation for the gay yep. character then. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But no, well, like uh, someone says like, you know, dead like me pushing up daisies. It's exactly. Vague. Well, also that's assuming that Fox needs a reason to cancel really good shows. Yeah. True statement. Being a prime example. I still blame Lucifer on a love triangle. Let that be the lesson we learn. Well, I mean, my, my favorite cancellation from Fox was Titus, but Titus told the, uh, the head of the studio that they were an idiot. So it's his fault. Well, he wasn't wrong. No, he was not. <laughs> yeah, but doing it to their face is <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I take balls. True, true enough. So this uh, actually, it was funny is you're, you're telling me about this Wonderfalls, and from, I don't know why, but this sounds like Twin Peaks ish. Like, because it sounds like it's funny, but like she's helping people. You said there's like, is it like crimes or to help people like live or what, what's it's going on? Various little things, like the the one called Have a Pancake. Essentially, she's helping her nanny, who she always believed was French, is actually just, you know, put on a French accent because she was from Quebec and Canada. And it's helping her get her citizenship because she was about to be deported. Oh, topical. Well, yeah, for 2007. Well, topical now. <laughs> but it's just this kind of weird function. We would have eaten it up. I mean, it's in the same vein as, you know, Reaper, Pushing Up Daisies, uh, Dead Like Me. Oh, Eve. Reaper. Oh, you know Reaper. Someone I'm so happy. We love Reaper. Very I'm I'm that. looking I'm looking at the entire series DVD on my shelf over here. Oh, nice. I love that show. Mad respect. We uh we watched that. I had it all on DVD summer that Ulrich was staying at my place, and we watched that. So God, that yeah, was it, canceled too soon. It really did. I, I remember watching it with my father-in-law. He's he's into very obscure TV shows, and he was like, oh. I, I saw the trailer for this and I taped it. We got to watch it. It was it was just awesome. I just ate it up after that. It's yeah. such a weird pitch of a show. When well, you as think- a side note, that has my favorite—not the best, like objectively—but my favorite depiction of the devil that I've seen. So yeah, I can't help but see Ray Wise as the devil now. Anyway, do you have any um, closing thoughts on Winterfalls? No, it's just one of those ones. If you can find it, get it because it is a really great fun season, and. I'm so bummed it never got a second season because being in a mental institution, there's the possibilities that opens up and just figuring out what this was going on. Cause like at the very end, the last episode of the season, like she gains the ability to make the voices stop talking. Interesting. Huge thing because throughout the whole series, she never got to ignore them. They just kept talking to her 
And she, you know, at the end just screams, shut up. And they all go quiet. And she's like, wait, I can do that? <laughs> this is such well, a good show. I'm still mad it got canceled. Well, uh, well anyway, I, I had uh, I thought it was appropriate for Ulrich to go first. But, um, Chris, why don't you give us something that you want to talk about? Okay, cool. I'll, um, I'll bounce off of that with, uh, with my TV show because um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this one. Um, but as soon as you sent me this idea, it popped into my head because it was something I had seen when I was really young. Like I'm thinking maybe four or five or six level young. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had been searching to remember what it was. Like I had visions of it in my head and I got, um, visuals of it, you know, like the big flying, um, golden bird. And I got that mixed up with the, uh, um, what was the, the space, birds i can't remember it was like thundercats but they were in space i can't oh, remember i know what you're oh, talking about hawks or something like that i had the toys for that um i vaguely know what you're talking about yeah i just I don't, don't remember the name of them i had all the toys too but i i got it mixed up with that so until the youtube generation came around um i was unable to figure out what the show was and i finally stumbled upon it it was this um anime show that ended up in syndication on nickelodeon called the mysterious cities of gold have either of you guys ever heard of this one? No. No. So it was this it was this weird anime show. Um, and so I wrote down the premise because I couldn't remember it off the top of my head. But it's in fifteen thirty two, a Spanish orphan named Esteban joins Mendoza, a navigator, his associates Sancho and Pedro, in their search for one of the seven cities of gold in the New World, i.e. Uh, America. Um, <laughs> hoping to find his father. They are joined on their quest by Zia, an Incan girl who was kidnapped by Gomez, Gaspard, Perez, and Mendoza, and Tao, the last descendant of the sunken empire of Mu, Kiva in the English dub. The series originally was in Japan on NHK, which I guess was the National Public Broadcaster, and premiered on June 29, 1982, running weekly for 39 episodes. And then it aired in France, and it was eventually in English in the United States and Nickelodeon in 1986 through 90, which is, I guess, when I saw it. And outside of that, other than rewatching it, it's, it's exactly what they say it is. Um, but man, it's a weird, like missing little snippet of anime from that time period that, uh, you know, back before the, the times of Dragon Ball Z and all of that, where, you know, Nickelodeon just picked this thing up and had a spot to fill and stuck it on TV. And, um, it's, it stuck with me. The visuals just stuck with me and I, I highly recommend looking it up. So I'm looking at I'm looking at images of this, and my brain is instantly going to something like Johnny Quest. Right, so, exactly. So is that like? Exactly. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm guessing you watched a little bit of it recently. What with the YouTube generation? So right, it, is it like structured like that? Like, what's a? Yeah, it's it's very it's very similar to that. It's it's an adventure show. So it's just you know they're they're again on the search for this, and the kids have been kidnapped and dispersed, and they're together, but. It, yeah, it was it was very much in the vein of that, you know, little mini adventures like Johnny Quest style thing, but leading up to whatever it is they're looking for, which I've I haven't gone through and finished the show, whether it was actually ever finished or not, to find out if they find it or not. But I'm imagining they do. Um, but uh, it it was just bonkers, man. <laughs> well, it's especially interesting to me because looking at this, you said this is Japanese originally, right? Yeah, it was an anime. Yeah, so. It, it like the number of anime that take place outside of Japan, let alone with such a very heavy like another culture. What with those kind of names you brought up, this is very South American in general. Yeah, it's like very that. like yeah, Incan, Mayan, 
yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. I don't I don't think I remember ever seeing an anime that that entrenched in another culture like that. Very strange. Yeah, so I looked up to try and figure out what that one we we're thinking of, uh G Force, Guardians of Space. Was that there the, you the go. one? Yeah. I just Googled uh Voltron, but with birds. <laughs> because that's it's all fun. I can remember was those, you know, bird costumes. And ironically, what triggered the memory back was they parodied it on uh, Megas XLR. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> and there you go. I was able to trace it back through that. It's like, okay, I know this came from somewhere. And I remember the one. What was it called? It's Voltron, but with birds. Yeah. It, it's Not funny. Uh, my my equivalent of um, not to derail. I mean, derail all the time. But my equivalent <laughs> of the cities of gold thing, where like I had flashes of something and I couldn't think of what it was called until the YouTube generation was uh, Mummies Alive. Like I watched that when I was yep. very young, and it's like, what's a mummy show from the nineties? Mummies so, Alive I, was awesome. I'd yes. forgotten so, about that one until you brought it up, uh, Axel, because I knew I'd watched it, but I'd never. Some of those ones back in my brain, it's sitting there, and then you know you forget about it until someone brings it up. So, so Ulrich, you were definitely right about G-Force, but the uh, I got that in Silverhawks mishmashed in my head. I don't know Silverhawk. Yeah, we'll, we'll look up the images of that real quick because they're it, it's it's interesting to me. Silverhawks is the one I was ah. thinking of, but G-Force was also the one I was thinking. It's very weird. Uh, well, weird is definitely the right word when I look at these oh. pictures of uh, Silverhawks. Oh wow. <laughs> There's that like that was a seemingly very '80s animation thing where they're yeah, in very say, shiny bodysuits. <laughs> always shiny bodysuits, yeah. And there was always a kid in a, in a tight shiny bodysuit, and then it just got weird. Yeah, we're trying to think too much about that. Why does the orange kid look like Snark? <laughs> well, because it's Thundercats in space. I mean, there you go. That's good. And then the one uh, with a cowboy can't ignore the cowboy. Yeah, he had a he had a um, see-through guitar for some reason. Yep. I'm seeing that now. Wow. So I, I'm pretty sure I saw episodes of G-Force and Silverhawks, but I don't think I've ever seen this Cities of Gold. So that's it's fascinating. Like, how, do you know how long it was? Um, it was There was a half an hour show. I, I don't know. Let's see. It ran from – it ran in Japan 39 episodes. That's a solid length. So, yeah. I mean, uh, in, Japan, in Japan, that was only a year, but it ran in Nickelodeon for four years. Well, yeah, Nickelodeon will do in that. syndication, yeah. So I'm seeing these screenshots of this. This it looks like I might have seen commercials of this between like airings of Beast Wars or something, but I don't think I ever actually saw it. Now I'm looking. I've never seen Cities of Gold. This is like speed you know, race. Do you know if it's available anywhere now? Um, last I checked, you could still watch it on YouTube. Oh, YouTube. Okay, well, I'll have to <laughs> check that out then. Like the yeah, entire it's thing. Weird enough that it might be worth a watch. Well, oh, absolutely. I'm, yeah, definitely getting a nostalgia throwback with Silverhawk, Mysterious Cities of Gold. Now I have Mummies Alive on my brain again, so we'll do that <laughs> this weekend. So, Oh, Mummies Alive. Anyway, uh, you have any anything else you want to say about Mysterious Cities of Gold? No, just, you know, that it, like you guys, you hit the nail on the head. It, it's a nostalgia thing. It, um, it was great for me to find it. You know, when you get that thing in your head, it, it's cool that we have access to so much now where you can, just do an image search for hours on end until you find that thing you remember from your childhood. So those of you out there listening, um, find, find that stuff, share it with people. We, we want to hear it. Yes. yes. 100%. Especially because we're, you know, in the constant search for more entertainment. And more things. Exactly. Well, have yeah. you tried to do this with video games in which is ridiculous hard. You only like have a couple things like the one video game with the dude, he had a sword. I've done I mean, it a couple times and gotten no results. <laughs> there you go. 
uh, might and magic. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I'll continue the the TV show trend we're going on and talk about an old TV that I was really into growing up called The Young Ones. Uh, it was a British TV show. Have you guys ever heard of it? Nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, so The Young Ones was live action. It was this British show. It ran for two seasons. It, it was these like four comedians. I mean, they're not playing comedians. They're just, they're like the actual people who are comedians about these four terrible college students. Uh, you've got Rick played by Rick Mayle, who people in the States know mostly as like drop dead Fred, for instance. Yep. Uh, he plays this like super political kind of, you know, into revolution, but is also <laughs> really a pansy. Then you've got a uh, Neil who's a hippie like straight up like seeming always stoned and very like things are freaking me out man kind of hippie you've got mike who's this slick guy who's always trying to play con games you know win women he's you know very cool and then you've got vivian who is a med student and a punk and i mean like a proper you know sex pistols punk he's got five metal stars studded into his forehead <laughs> and a red light oh yeah on. yeah exactly and the, the show is real surreal. Like the the stuff that goes on, there's a lot of the regular, you know, kind of stuff you'd expect from this kind of dry British comedy. But then there's like in episode one, for instance, they're talking and suddenly the camera just shifts down to a mouse hole and then zooms in. And then there are this, these puppets of uh, mice that are like telling really weird jokes to each other for for like a good like three minutes before Vivian shows up and just steps on them. Like it's just weird surrealness. It's awesome. How did yeah. you discover this? Actually, my mother was really into it, and she uh, discovered it because on, uh, I believe, Metallica, Kill 'Em All, they actually uh, thank the young ones and their like thank you section of the album. Huh. No, <laughs> look at this. this. I can definitely see you getting into this. This is, yeah. <laughs> like I said, so, it's, so so let me ask you a question. So your your mother was into it, and was that mutually exclusive to the knowledge that you know Metallica? Thank them on Kill 'em All, or was Metallica thanking them on Kill 'em All? Why your mother found? It? I think I think that's why she found it. That's awesome. Your mom sounds great. Well, okay. For, for the record, uh, Chris, the first song I remember hearing in my life period, if I go back to my memory, was being in the car and mom's cassette playing Master of Puppets. Like she's Holy got a crap. She has a <laughs> she has a tattoo of Slayer on her arm. I just went two weeks ago and saw a Metallica concert with her. So. Just oh, this saying, is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, uh, and she went to a Slayer concert earlier in the year, and she's, you know, 50-some right now. But That's great. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the young ones, uh, like I said, it's really, really surreal. Like they, Oh, it also did that thing some, some shows do where it would have a musical guest every episode. Like in the episode one, it was a band called Nine Below Zero, but there's an episode where Motorhead shows up and just <laughs> plays in the background. Um, but my favorite episode and the one I really want to talk about that like is a way to, uh, that if you're interested in the show at all, just watch this episode. It's like episode two, I think it's called bomb. And the premise is simple. An atom bomb drops into their living room, but doesn't go off. And they all have a different plan for what to do. Said atom bomb. Like, <laughs> like Rick starts trying to use it to blackmail the government and like, you know, doing the right progressive things he believes. Uh, Mike is trying to figure out how to make money off of it. Neil is just trying to like get everything diffused, everyone to calm down. But the best and by far is Vivian, who's trying to set it off the entire time. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> so like there's a scene where Rick is talking to Mike about why 
you know, what he's going to do once, you know, Thatcher caves in. And in the background, Vivian has a sledgehammer and he's just smacking this thing as hard as he can <laughs> until it's bending <laughs> the wood. And then, like, Rick turns around and is like, can you stop that? And Vivian's all breathing really heavy with his bent sledgehammer and he goes, okay, what I'm going to need is the drill, the hedge clippers, and an ordinary household can of bleach. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah, so it's just... Just g- jokes like that. And there's this one actor, um, Alexi, Alexi something, I don't know what his name is, but he shows up in every episode as a different member of the same family that all look the same and have different weird like quirks. So again, this is just a really weird, surreal show. I don't know any other like American show that is like this. <laughs> so Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on comparison. There's, a, there's an episode later on in season two where they think their house is haunted. And someone makes the the comment about, well, we're going to have to nail. He's like, we're going to have to nail all the plates down. And so Mike's the table and he starts nailing plates down. And then Vivian, again, who's a punk and destroys things, is going around with a chainsaw for some reason and just destroying stuff. And so he chops the legs off of Mike's chair and the chair doesn't fall down. So it's like he's floating. And they're like, oh, Mike's floating. Call an exorcist. And Mike's like, don't call an exorcist. Call an ambulance. I just nailed my legs to the table. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway uh, i could go on and on about like the ridiculous weirdnesses in this show but like that was the thing with uh with i only watched drop dead fred for instance because i already knew rick Mayle from and for anyone who's seen drop dead fred that personality that's basically the same personality he plays in the young ones as well, but with a you know non-beetlejuice like character <laughs> so did anyone actually watch drop dead fred i thought that was a real bomb me <laughs> okay so some people did i've never watched it i just know of it through reputation of being really bad oh it's fascinating yeah it, it's bad it's not yeah, good but it's, it's not good it's interesting but... <laughs> it's one of those ones like you want to know what they were thinking well i'm pretty sure what they were thinking is um rick mail was a successful comedian in britain and this was his like all right we're gonna try to introduce american audiences to him but then the movie doesn't like i don't i don't know that's a hard thing to parse but yeah <laughs> He doesn't. He he doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. They they were trying to make they were trying to make like like you kind of put it like a Beetlejuice for younger kids, and his brand of humor was much more um, edgy. And uh, it seemed like they were kind of at wits with each other. Like he, you know, he was a bit more playing a character that could almost be, I wouldn't say villainous, but far more um, mischievous in a non good way. That I think they were going for, and it it just didn't fit with uh with the aesthetic, that well, like Home Alone kind of aesthetic. Yeah, well, especially because even with like Beetlejuice in his movie, villain, he's just very popular. You know, the villain of that movie in some right. senses. But Rick, who's playing this this character Fred, is the same kind of chaotic force. But the movie's not self aware of it and treats him like like you know like a Barney character. Like you're exactly. So huh. anyway, um. My point is that's just like the closest I can think to like think about Drop Dead Fred's character separate from the rest of the movie. And some of that humor is like what's being really tapped into with the young ones, which is leaning into it like really hard. And uh, if you're into surreal comedy, like especially live action surreal comedy, which I don't feel like there's a a lot of in existence, um, it looks cheap, but it's kind of meant to like everything's kind of gross and grungy because these are like terrible students and, and that, I, like the whole british sitcoms they always kind of look kind of cheap and grungy because the bbc won't fork over any money 
Yes, yes. And uh, it has the laugh track because they're doing it like in on on stage, like a like a sitcom would be. But because of the you know like puppets and and weird like segues to like very non realistic things that there there's some interesting editing choices. But if any of that sounds like remotely interesting, then just give the episode bomb a shot. That's my recommendation. All right then. Where can we find this? You know, I have it on DVD. Um, I think. Let's see. Uh, um, home media. It's all released. Uh, there's a complete series one and two special edition that was released in 2007. I don't know if it's actually available in any major streaming service right now. So if oh, the entire series is available to download on iTunes. There you go. There we go. Cool. It uh, it it sounds fascinating. Sounds it, it up did. my alley. Yeah. If you if check it out, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Sweet. All right, Laura. Right. Uh, my next decision. I feel like. This one's got good odds of being seen. Uh, saved. Saved. The movie. Oh, it's a movie. Okay. Uh, that we... was the movie with what's her name? I'm uh, Jenna Malone. I know Jenna Malone was in it, but wasn't there? Um, Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore. There we go. I figured it had to be one of those two. No, this one. I tell people it was the last movie Macaulay Culkin was in before he almost died. Oh no! Shit. Okay. No offense, but like this is the last movie when he was, you know, he seemed like he was going to be okay before he dropped off the face of the earth and got down to like eighty pounds or something. Hmm. Two thousand four. What is this thing? You haven't seen this movie? I know of it. Oh, okay. Um, this movie, uh, two thousand four. Uh, basically, this girl goes to a Christian academy, born again. Oh no! I have seen this. And I was about to say, I thought we were like four for four with um, bringing up something that the other two hadn't seen. That's not normal. <laughs> well, this one, I feel like it was fairly popular. Well, like, but uh, this girl finds out, you know, she's born again Christian, goes to a Christian school, finds out her boyfriend's gay, has a religious moment where Jesus tells her he, she needs to save him. And so like any good Christian girl, she tries her own version of, you know, gay conversion. And when that, that doesn't sounds work, dangerous. Oh, it gets better. And when that doesn't work, she has sex with him. Ah. And then his parents find out and send him away to conversion camp, only for her to then find out she's pregnant. Okay. And she has this whole, you know, kind of breakdown of her faith and her beliefs that everything has gone wrong her senior year. Huh. It's, I don't want to say it's a black comedy because it's not that dark, but it's kind of more about her challenging the beliefs that she's been, you know, told to believe. It's Yeah, I, I remember this being very unique in that because I think they kind of sold it. They sold it as like a lighthearted romp. And then the movie ends up being far more, um, it hits you with reality <laughs> really quick and oh, a yeah. lot of that. And um, yeah, I, I remember it being fascinating. It was, it was one of the ones I rented when I worked at Blockbuster and just being like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, I remember uh, I really enjoyed it when it came out and then yeah. I it on Amazon prime and I was immediately sucked into it again because it doesn't really try and, you know, play good guy, bad guy. It's like, this girl is in a shitty situation. Her whole world belief has been, you know, rocked. Her friends have abandoned her because now she's a quote unquote sinner or, you know, she started to turn against them. She's fallen in with the bad crowd. Uh, with uh, her friend and um, Macaulay Culkin, you know, he's this poor kid in a wheelchair, and he's an atheist essentially in this Christian academy. I, I mean, there's uh, so much to pick apart in that in that description. I, you know, me, I, I come from, uh, I was raised on George Carr, Christopher Titus, so I feel like comedy that comes from darkness is like 
the way to go. Like you're going to get bigger laughs that way. And this sounds like it goes to it's some really got dark some places. Very, it's got some big Juno vibes. Uh, not just yes. that it's a teenage girl that's pregnant. It's more all the stuff, the difficulties that don't get talked about that. And how, you know, people want to pretend there's an easy answer one way or another. Hmm. And no, it's this great thing. I mean, you know, Mandy Moore is her best friend and she plays this over the top kind of persecuting Christian and they want to paint her in the villain, but even in the end, you know, they kind of turn it about and go, there are no bad guys. There's just shitty situations. And it is at both, you know, hilarious and just a really engaging movie. Like I get sucked in the minute you start watching. Now I, that I think back through it, I haven't thought of saved in a long time. Uh, Lady Bird carried a lot of similar um, tonal yep. similarities to it. Very much in that vein. And no, I like, this is one of the ones I figured would be more well known, but Huh? Oh wow! Okay, I thought more people knew this one. Yeah, I'd never even heard of it. It seems like it, you know the 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 poster definitely looks like something that would have come out around uh, you know American Pie and, and they have like a that, great but... you know uh, joke in the trailer. Uh, Mandy Moore and Jenna Malone are you know painting the school Jesus, and Macaulay Culkin's down on the ground going, "I don't think Jesus is supposed to be white. What do you mean he's not supposed to be white?" And I just remember that was the hook line they kept playing in the opening trailer over and over again. And I don't know if it was like the comedians are making that joke going, yeah, it's kind of weird. There's a white guy wandering around the Well, it's funny because that's the kind of joke that uh, I'm very familiar with now watching a lot of stand-up. But 2004 does seem like a pretty early time to be putting that in like a, a feature release. I just had it was a joke that stuck with me and always made me laugh because Macaulay Culkin is just kind of confused. And it's like, yeah, that actually is a good point. But, you know, like, just no. Of course he's white. What way? What wouldn't he be? <laughs> I don't. I just love that joke. It's always and this is like I said, it's a really great movie. And I always kind of remember it because Macaulay Culkin's like, oh wow, the kid from Home Alone, and then he disappeared for you know ever until he popped up in the tabloids at ninety pounds. There's a lot of you know great actors in here. Yeah, I feel like none of them are doing anything recently. I mean, anything really well known at least. Oh no, this feels like one of those. Again, this is what I thought was a perfect movie for this because I don't know how many people saw it. It's a great movie. It's on Amazon Prime. Watch it if you get a chance. So, yeah, I, I remember liking it a lot. I, I gotta give it a shot, because like I said, I love a dark kind of comedy, even if it doesn't get... Definitely a dark comedy with some heavier stuff. Like I said, the best part is, you know, Jesus coming to her and telling her to be saved, you know, save <laughs> her boyfriend, and at the end, she comes to the conclusion, he didn't want to have sex, he just wanted me to be supportive of him. Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Obvious seems obvious. But she couldn't, you know, conceive of that at the beginning. You know, she had to go through this whole deal to realize that sometimes just being supportive of somebody is the best thing to do. I feel like that is a a good moral to uh to leave this on. <laughs> yeah, no, so, go check out this movie. All right, so Chris, you got uh, what's your next thing for us? Okay, so uh, you did movie, so I'll, I'll do movie now. Did either one of you guys um seen session nine? don't think so. session nine no yeah sounds oh, cool uh, so, so it, it probably does so where where i'm from the area i'm from this movie i'm assuming has a lot more popularity that's why getting on you know something like this with folks that aren't necessarily from where i'm from i, I kind of want to share share the gospel of session nine, <laughs> um to to go off the saving note so session nine is a really cool movie um it was directed by brad anderson who you guys might know more um as the director of the machinist Ooh, the movie the machinist that, yeah the movie that christian bale um almost killed himself losing weight for and then bulked oh, up yeah. right afterwards to be batman yeah, or scary. before i i can't remember um but Bra- brad anderson's a local guy he's from the boston area this is 
the second or third movie he made. And um, the cool thing about this movie is that growing up around here, I live in Lynn, Massachusetts, just right on the coast, just north of Boston, and inland in a town called Danvers, um, which used to be Salem, um, but it's Danvers now. Salem encompassed like six cities, and now it's just the tiny city that it is now. Danvers is actually where they killed all the witches. Um, <laughs> not Salem. Or, no, sorry, tried all the witches, and then they killed them where what's now Salem. But so Session 9 um, takes place at Danvers State Mental Hospital. And they didn't just film it there. It literally takes place with the mental hospital being a character in the movie. And we grew up around it. That's like our local creepy old Victorian era building that everyone would always go break into and send videos around to their friends of, oh, you know, I, I broke into Danvers State Mental Hospital. And, you know, my mom was a um, nurse and did her internship there. And, you know, it's one of the places where they did some stuff that might not have been the most um, ethical to the patients. And it was open a lot longer than it should have been. And there were underground tunnels. So it's just layers and layers. This place. Yeah. And actually, H.P. Lovecraft based Arkham um, from his novels on Denver State. Now, which, that's a name drop. <laughs> right, yeah. Which is really cool. So um, anyway, so it got word around town that they were going to tear it down and renovate it, turn it into apartments. So Brad Anderson made a movie about what if a crew that came in to help renovate it, turn it into apartments. Um, weird shit started happening to them while they were there. And so that's basically the story of it is it's um, a bunch of guys in claustrophobic situations working in this old creepy hospital. And one guy stumbles upon some tapes um, of a recording of a patient there. And you go through sessions one through eight. And when you get to session nine, shit hits the fan and the movie goes crazy. I have not seen this. And dude, it's got David Caruso. Uh, who's the biggest star in the movie, and he's fantastic in it. And uh, Peter Mullen, who I, I'm drawing a blank as to what else he's been in, but he's been in everything. When you see his face, you'll recognize it. It's just a small cast of really great actors, really creepy, and almost all of the scares take place in broad daylight, which is even cooler. Um, it, it, it's, it's terrifying. It scares the crap out of me. Um, when they eventually tore the place down and renovated it, my friends moved in, and um, the thing was always, oh, we got to go there and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's where that's where we used to play Dungeons and Dragons was in um, the Kirkbride building, which once you watch this movie, the big creepy building with all the points on the top of it, they kept that. They just gutted it and turned it into offices. So you still see it driving up the um, driving up Route One up on the hill, like brooding down on you like oh, a oh, like I, a creepy love- skeleton. I'd love to run a, a a dungeon like like a lich dungeon in a place like that. Nope, you could <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. And so and so to add to add creepy to that, um, to go along with it, when we played Dungeons and Dragons at this place, um, there's a sequence in this movie where in the underground tunnels they have all their like hazmat gear set up, and a guy's like walking down the tunnel and sees what he thinks is um, his friend that went missing down the other end of the tunnel, covered in blood. And Classic. the guy dis- the guy disappears, and then the lights start systematically turning off down the tunnel on their way back down to this guy. And it's incredibly creepy. And in the basement of the Kirkbride building is where the bathrooms were, and they had like a basketball court and like a gymnasium in in the you know renovated version of it. And down the hallway leading to the bathrooms in the basketball court, which where we were playing Dungeons and Dragons was at the floor above. So I'm all by myself. They have motion activated lights 
And so mm -hmm. I go down the hall and the motion activated lights all turn on and then the motion activated lights all turn off. I, I go to the bathroom. So much. <laughs> when I come out of the bathroom, all the motion activated lights are all back on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I'm down there all by myself. And then the motion activated lights all start turning off on their way to me. And then oh. they all start turning back on on their way to me. <laughs> Nope, and nope, I, nope, nope, I nope. bolted, I bolted up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, dude. Four movies with those motion activated lights have just made me hate them with a deep abiding hate. You know, oh. have have you seen the new Halloween? No, I really, really want to, but there it's is hard to see new movies with a newborn in the house. Yes, same here. I, I just went during work because that's about the only way I can. Do it. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't have but, an excuse other than I try to find a time for my lady to go. So, all right. So when you do see it, I'll tell you now that the movie is full of great things. There is a there is a, a death that involves a motion activated set of lights in the backyard that is incredible. <laughs> like, like it's just it's funny this this uh, this description of session nine like instantly my mind went to I mean that, well, that's one of the classic like big three horror settings right like a, right. a, a mental institution a prison a school I guess a hospital for number four so. But in the woods, yeah, yeah. But the well, okay, sure, sure. Uh, but the premise of like the tapes sounds like a very good uh, structure kind of concept to build I it around. See this so bad now. Oh, it's a great movie, and it's um, it's a lot more like a character study. Like you know, the the, the place affects each of them differently, and so you're kind of left for the majority of the movie wondering if anything's actually going on or if they're all just kind of. Oh the works just kind of getting to them like in the shining and yeah. and so it's it's really cool i i feel bad that i mean uh, and I, we are huge horror nuts and the fact that i haven't seen this see I, i'm not a big horror fan i will go and see a horror if like friends want me to i mean my favorite horror movie is phantasm which is pretty old oh fantastic <laughs> <laughs> but uh this sounds well okay this sounds like something i'd want to see but i not alone, because I'm a little bit of a pansy when it comes to horror movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, this, 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 this one will mess you up. This is definitely not a watch-before-bedtime kind of movie. <laughs> um, and I mean, and, and it, it just it, it messed me up bad, um, the first. I mean, you've seen The Machinist. You get this guy's shtick. It definitely has that same sort of build, build intention that The Machinist had. But yeah. this, this, this one is an outright harm, whereas The I Machinist is more of a psychological um, thing. I will say my my one because I I love the machinist. But my one problem with it as a movie is that I feel like the ending was I don't know what the right way to because I haven't been think, I haven't thought about the machinist until you brought it up. But the best way to put it is I feel like the ending was a little bit of a letdown. Like it seemed like a weird kind of reveal that didn't All right. make a whole lot of sense if I thought about it longer than a couple minutes. And but it doesn't it doesn't invalidate the rest of the movie. I just thought it was like a weird solution to what was going on. So. Without spoiling it, does the does uh, does this movie's ending like is it cohesive with or is it more like we're just throwing interesting scenes, interesting? Like, no, characters? no, it's it's definitely cohesive, but whether or not you're willing to go along with it, um, will kind of be structured the same way. It, I, I feel like it earns its ending a little better than the Machinist did, but it's going it's going for a like horror movie stinger kind of an ending more well, than it's going. Yeah, Ulrich and I were just talking uh, about an hour ago about, like, there are not that many horror movies that end well. <laughs> correct, correct. Because we're all a psyched for Brightburn, and, you know, some of our, there's either, this movie ends with the kid killing everybody, or them killing the kid. There's no other way around it. But Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated with Brightburn. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, I can't believe no one thought to make that movie 
already. Like I saw that trailer and I was like, this is brilliant. How does this what not I, already exist? What I think is genius is they kept the freaking Chris Nolan, Zack Snyder, shitty DC font <laughs> yes, for it. Yeah. It's, it's such a middle finger. <laughs> but, uh, I, I loved it because I was there's like there's a certain uh, clip in the trailer that I was like, did they just take that directly from Man of Steel to point out <laughs> the problem? So it's like the clip of I think the the swings and the the grass. I was like, yeah, that's yep. that's obvious. <laughs> How much paperwork did they have to sign, you know, for Warner Brothers not to sue? Oh so, yeah, I, I have no idea. This is a list of things you can't say or reference to. Like, I think the red cape was where they drew the line. Like, they're, like lots of people have red capes. Yeah, but not red people that fell from the sky. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I love that uh, the two things you brought, Chris, are a, like, fun, nostalgic Johnny Quest-style cartoon, and then this horror movie about people going insane in a creepy, actual asylum. <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an odd dude. <laughs> no, I think it's a good uh, variety of, of recommendation. <laughs> no, where can I find this? I'm not going to watch it tonight, but I need to watch this now. I I don't know if it's on Netflix because I own it, so I haven't done any checking. But I know that Shutter has it, um, which is the Netflix horror app. Yeah, um, Slagator has been trying to convince me to get that because she'll watch all of it. <laughs> but but I I can almost guarantee you should be able to find it somewhere cheap, like either on Amazon or something like that it's it's old enough it, it's old enough and it didn't do that well so i can imagine you'll find it but by the way uh auric wasn't there a, an asylum in our hometown that like all the high schoolers would go to drunk i vaguely yeah. remember this there there was like and i don't think it ever like i think i found out after the fact that it wasn't like all the stories were just that stories there was no abuse there was no you know this stuff but it had gained such a reputation that no one cared anymore. Ah, wow. Like All it right. was just that, like they came out with news where it's going, it was never really haunted. It never did these things. It wasn't a mental lot. It was like a old retirement home, but because there was nothing better, it's like, no, they murdered and did experiments. And it just became this huge thing that, you know, they made a haunted house out of it every year. All right. Well, anyway, so, uh, is session nine, uh, shutter and based somewhat, on, at least on a real place. That's, Really cool. I heard about this place now. The tunnels rem- reminded me. Uh, I didn't know well, they made it into apartments, though. What? Oh. Yeah, dude. The rent better be cheap. I don't want. Like- <laughs> it's not. It's not. And when they when they first opened it, like a month after opening, like a whole block of them just burned down, and they never figured out why. Because of evil spirits. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, I uh, my last recommendation will be, or uh, not recommendation. My last thought will be pretty quick because um, we've done two, uh, three TV shows and a movie. I don't have a. But uh, I had some games that I thought about. Sweet. And so instead of about any specific game, like I, I had put down Metal Slug, which yeah. was yeah, which was a, a a preference of mine. But really, I just want to talk about like you know arcades in general because in my town there's only one arcade and it's also a bar. So I wonder how many people you know younger than us like really know games like Metal Slug or Arctic Thunder or House of the Dead. You know? I recently found myself oddly nostalgic for the old school arcade, and I can't explain why. Uh, well, I, the reason I thought about this is I have a friend of mine who I had playing Undertale, right? And I was watching him play, and he didn't like. He was complaining about the the system where if you don't if you don't know, Undertale has this like system where like you have a heart and you dodge like white bullets. It's bullet hell. And so I said mm-hmm. that out loud. I said, "Hey, it's like a bullet hell." And he went, "What's that?" 
And it just struck me as weird that someone could not know what a bullet hell is. Because I played all the, <laughs> you know, the helicopter and plane ones in the arcade growing Those up. Those were so much fun. Yes, they were. Yeah, and, and while Metal Slug isn't necessarily a bullet hell, it's right there on the cusp. And it was yeah. probably my favorite. I, I think I put more coins into Metal Slug and Turtles in Time than anything else. Oh, oh, Turtles in Time! Yes! Yeah. So, uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, Metal Slug is this game where you, you play as a special ops kind of guy. You choose one of four people, and you just drop into this two-dimensional kind of platformer thing with your gun, a pistol. But you can pick up like upgrades, but the main deal is there's tons of enemies, they're shooting tons of bullets at you, so dodge the bullets, kill the enemies, lose all your quarters because it will <laughs> be BS sometimes. Yep. Uh, killer music, and I mean, that's really it. It's like, but it's one of those things that I remember uh, spending all this time on this one boss, I think it was in Metal Slug X, maybe it was two, uh, where like you're in a pyramid, and you're in your tank and you're like jumping up while basically a big metal like snake thing is trying to catch you, like climbing up the pillar. Does this sound familiar? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, like I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, you can get him on Steam. You can download him. It's not the same as being in a, you know, playing on a rickety, sticky uh, tower in the back of some pizza joint, you know, feeding it quarters. There's just something oddly nostalgic about that. Oh Maybe yeah! If you can it hear, was, you're saving all these things. Save cabinet arcades. Bring those back. It was a pizza joint. I remember because I uh, my they my always aunt, were. It was pizza joints and my, like yeah. My grandfather, my aunt played food. softball, and after softball, we'd go to Round Table Pizza, and they had <laughs> uh, yeah, they had a metal slug cabinet there that I always play. It was always pizza joints and like crappy mom and pop video rental stores, bowling um, alleys, uh, bowling alleys, pool. They had a whole bunch of them. Well, I, at least I had one place growing up in, I grew up in San Diego and we had uh, like a family fun center. I don't know what the name of it was, but I remember that one specifically because I'd go there I'd spend hours playing Turtles in Time, Metal Slug, and I'd love uh, House of the Dead. I'd put money in one player and two players so I could use both guns. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it was, and then when I was getting too hot because, you know, tons of kids, it's like, all right, it's time to go play Arctic Thunder because it just blows cold air on you while you play. No, I want more of these. I want, you know, just bring them back. Salvage them. More bars need these. So, machines. Yeah, exactly. So I've got... um. live in an interesting area so um near me there's a place called the salem willows and what the salem willows is is it's an old like mini coney island style um waterfront restaurants and arcades and it's kind of always been there and it's it's gotten smaller over the years but um where it is is the, the willows was where they actually put i think it was the hepatitis patients um, because the, the, the willow trees put a lot more oxygen into the air and they thought that was good for people. So when the city ended up getting that, they made like a family fun center on the waterfront, you know, like the Boston's Revere beaches. Boston's a lot darker than I thought. <laughs> what was that? Boston's a lot darker than I thought. It's like, yeah, hey, we'll just, you know, convert this old mental asylum to, you know, housing in this, uh, you know, leper colony. Oh, make it a family fun, fun family hey, you know, center. You, you haven't watched enough uh, crime movies set in Boston. Yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> so They're so very, anyway. You guys are very economic. I'll give you that. So that is still a functioning arcade with a lot, a ton of old games that they keep running in there. And oh. um, we go there all the time. And then up in uh, Laconia, New Hampshire, which is about an hour and a half from here, um, they have a place called Fun Spot. 
and Fun Spot has been around since the 50s. And it is, they just keep expanding on it. And they've now declared themselves the American Video Game Arcade Museum. Damn. And they have an entire section. There's been movies. If you've, if you've never heard of the movie The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, yeah. yep. um, they, m- a large portion of that movie takes place at Fun Spot. Because um, Fun, Fun Spot is known to have the world's hardest Donkey Kong machine. Oh, um, interesting. There's some glitch in it <laughs> that <laughs> makes it really hard. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Fun Spot. Right. So what's cool about that is the arcade museum section of it. They keep all the old games in mint condition and are constantly circulating them out and fixing them and keeping them up. And they have a picture next to the game of the person who holds the world record score for it with them standing with it. They have um, old cheesy like 80s music playing the whole time you're in there. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) it's awesome. awesome. Yeah, the the like I said, the only arcade here in the town I live in is, is a place called the space bar and I which is go a there. great name. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, their actual alcohol choice is really sparse. So usually that I get sucks. It. Yeah. But once a, once a year on their anniversary, they make the games free and I currently hold the high score in joust because it's, yeah. so, <laughs> so before, uh, before we move off of this, do you have a particular favorite arcade game? I'm trying to think. That's my, mine is probably Metal Slug, but I do like Joust is real close. I've got, I'd have to say I have two. Um, my, my absolute favorite, and I can only find it at Fun Spot, or sorry, three, and I can only find it at Fun Spot, and I have to play it every time I'm there, is Marble Madness. Oh, Marble Madness. Okay. Marble Madness is one of my, have you both played that? Yeah. I haven't played, I don't know that one. It's, it's an NES era arcade game that uh, did a really good job of faking you out that it was in 3D. It was like the two and a half D. Um, it used a space ball to move an actual ball around on screen, and the physics of it are quite impressive for the time. Um, the the way you have to spin the ball around it, it's just it's fantastic. It's meant to eat your quarters. It's impossible to beat, and um, it's just a lot of fun. Um, another one, yeah. Uh, uh, real quick, there's actually um, Kirby's Dream Course is basically taking Marble Madness and putting a coat over it. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And uh, another one is um. Beer Tapper. Yep. Um, yeah. And that one. they changed that over to Root Beer Tapper, but Fun Spot has the Budweiser Tapper still. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's that's awesome. And um, my favorite memory arcade game was the Captain America and the Avengers. Um, I think it was six player arcade box. Um, they had that at the bowling alley up the street, and we used oh, to just play one. the crap out of that. It was awesome. It was it was like remember the X Men arcade game? Yep. Yes. It's it was just like that. That was a fun oh, one. Actually, yeah. funny enough, you know what my favorite version of that kind of game is? Not because it, because I believe it is, was the um, Michael Jackson Moonwalker. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, that's surreal. Anyway, Ulrich, do you got a favorite arcade? Oh, uh, Rampage. Rampage. Yeah. All right. Good, I good loved choice. Godzilla. I loved King Kong. I thought that's what that game was based on. That's what my brothers told me. It's like, yeah, you're just playing Godzilla. Okay, cool. Yeah, Lizzie looked Godzilla like, so. Uh, no, unfortunately, I don't have any place near me I can. In- in this and that's why i said this needs to be a thing we are getting a bowling alley so hopefully they have some old school you know arcade games like that oh, i'll have be to challenge awesome. you next time i visit so or maybe you come yeah. to space bar if you ever come visit me so yeah all right should we move on to suggestions of the week yeah yeah all right actually you want to start us off uh sure i've got uh two suggestions so being unemployed i've been catching up on a lot of movies from the past few years that i i missed for one reason or another 
And while there are a lot of good ones worth talking about, like uh, Sorry to Bother You or The Shape of Water, stuff that I, I hadn't seen, the one that sticks out to me the most was Colossal. Yay! Uh, yeah, I like that movie a lot. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, Colossal is a, a brilliant concept of this uh, girl, essentially, who's an alcoholic, which is important for the story. Uh, <laughs> and when she comes home from a night of drinking and she goes to a certain place at a certain time, a kaiju, a giant monster, appears in South Korea in the city of Seoul that mimics her movements. So, you know, metaphor of self-destructive behaviors going beyond the scope of where you think they are is obvious. Uh, but the the movie, oddly enough, for being, you know, because I'm a sucker for kaiju movies in general. I That's grew up the with, hook. Yeah, I grew up with a, uh, one of those, like, old milk crates just full of Godzilla VHS tapes. Um, but really, the the movie doesn't focus a whole lot on the kaiju stuff it's it's there but what's really the what makes the movie worth remembering is that it has a lot of important very adult mature things to say about dependency and abuse and toxicity it just does it through the metaphor of kaiju battles oh yeah no it's it's definitely a bait and switch i don't say a bait and switch movie like it draws you like hey you want to watch a giant kaiju movie yeah hey you also want to talk about trauma and alcoholism maybe <laughs> i'm not sure kaiju okay. and then my my other my other suggestion for the week so by the way yeah go see colossal if you can i believe it's on i think is where i watched it um and my other suggestion for the week is my buddy marquee who is much more of an animation junkie than me i mean i love animation lives it uh he got me to start watching be cool scooby-doo which i didn't want to watch at first because it looks like family guy in style Ooh. yeah so that turned me off but it's it's really good, and I've seen every version of Scooby-Doo other than History Incorporated. I've been a fan of Scooby-Doo um, forever. And one of the first things that this series did that made me really want to watch more is it gave Daphne an actual personality. It's a crazy one, but the fact that she has a personality is like a, a big deal. The last time I remember that happening was with a pup named Scooby-Doo. Right. <laughs> she was rich. That was her personality. Yeah, but in, in this show, instead, she's she's like a... Like someone put a Looney Tunes character in the Scooby Gang. Essentially, every episode she's got some different quirk. That she, like in episode one, she has puppets, like hand puppets of all the rest of the gang that she keeps talking through. Or there's an episode where they get on a cruise ship, and for some reason, all dolphins have a blood feud with her. And they never. <laughs> That's and then, in, I'm yeah, and then in one episode she has a yeah, and one episode she has a beard. And Fred's asks, "Why do you have a beard?" And she's like, "Why shouldn't I have a beard?" <laughs> so, okay. Just, ridiculousness like that so yeah my point is that if you if you saw the animation style for be cool scooby-doo and thought it didn't look good for the same reasons i mentioned give it an actual shot the first episode is great and so far the rest of it is great too and where where can we find it verve verve cool all right chris what do you got for us so i um just recently went to la for work um just last week actually and on the flight back i finally caught up with the movie searching have either movie. of you guys heard of this or seen it? Searching, uh, on searching. my list, I'm probably not going to get to it this year. Searching right. is currently my second favorite movie of the year. Period. Yeah, yeah, and and that that's that's an understatement. It, it, it I couldn't believe it. Um, searching, I could very well say, could be the best techno oh, I, techno yeah. suspense movie I've ever seen. Where they're trying to they, they use a gimmick, like you know, it's in the genre of movies like The Net. You know what I mean, and, and things like that, where it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna use a gimmick to dry in, and we're gonna do that gimmick poorly, 
which is what <laughs> most of them usually do. Instead, we have this movie starring John Cho, who he he's always great, and I think he just hits out of the park with this. Mm-hmm. Um, what what an incredible turn from the guy from Harold and Kumar, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, this entire movie takes place in a computer screen, and not like no, they a guy's typing at a computer screen. Like literally, the camera never moves away from one guy's computer screen, and they make that intense. They make that devastating. They make it heartbreaking. They they give exposition using it. it. It's it's an incredible use of editing and brilliant filmmaking. And the fact that I don't think it's up for anything at the Golden Globes is oh. heartbreaking to me. <laughs> because oh, at least I mean, heartbreaking, just, especially like literally the first ten minutes of that movie, I was welling up. There's a there's a scene early on where all it is is them moving a. Uh, a, a calendar notification to the trash. Yeah. That's all it is. And I was yeah. like breaking up. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and like it, the movie, it it's, it's just great. It has good characters. It has good, um, uh, it, like I said, good tension. It has good emotion. It's heartbreaking and it's great and happy at times all at the same time. And I got to give a movie credit for without, cause the, the point of searching is, is, you know, it's, it's a twisty turny, you never quite know where it's going kind of a movie. But they don't go the easy route with any of it. This isn't like a, oh, this is a movie for parents to be afraid of their kids and all kids are shit and all kids do terrible things. And of course, the thing your kid is involved in is bigger than you think it is. It's, it's not really that movie. It's kind of like turning that on its head, but yes. also turning that on its head again. <laughs> you, you know, actually... Like, yeah, there's actually a concept without without giving it away that the seems very predictable, and in some ways it is, but it does a, a very specific thing that I didn't quite predict. That is very like anti these kind of movies vis-a-vis yeah. what daughters involved with. Yeah, if they had made this movie in the early '90s, it would have been on Lifetime, and it would have been just you know like this is why you can't let your daughter have an <laughs> iPhone and be on the internet, you know. And instead, it's like you know that. It's kind of the thing that's helping you like figure this shit out, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was brilliant. Uh, so there was that searching. I can't recommend it enough. Like you said, second favorite movie of the year, second best movie of the year. I'd say the same thing. It's yeah. it's in the top five for sure. For the record, uh, I'll say that my favorite movie of the year isn't better than Searching. My favorite movie of the year just touched me personally more. Oh, cool. Which, for the um, record, uh, is Isle of Dogs. But again, I wouldn't say it's better than Searching. It just is a personal thing for me. I, I haven't caught that one yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Well, if you like Wes Anderson, you'll like it. If you don't yeah, like Wes Anderson. Exactly. So. <laughs> and, and, then, and then my other one, again, was you know a movie I watched on the plane because I miss everything now with having the kids, was Black Klansman. Have, have you guys seen this? I watched that earlier this week after I had finished, you know, my uh, top 10 of the year. Like, okay, I got it figured out. Then I watched Black Clans. I'm like, all right, back to the drawing board. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but it's the top of my list. Oh, yeah, it should be. It, it, it should be. It, um, it's interesting because it, at the same time, is both Spike Lee at his most poignant and, um, uh, I'm, I'm, and most, like, this movie has a reason to be angry and to be up in your face and to be on the nose about stuff. But it's also incredibly reserved for almost three yeah. out of the four acts of the movie, and then it's missing a lot of the it, Spike Leeisms that I don't like. It and it earns when it finally goes where he needs to go. It earns its point. It earns oh, its big exclamation point instead of the whole movie being exclamation points. I, you I know? have 
Yeah, I oh, have heard that, that it goes. Uh, I've heard that it goes insane at the end in a similar way to like like Sorry to Bother You goes insane at the end. And I haven't seen that yet, but if Sorry to Bother You goes insane in the same way, I can't wait to see it. Uh-huh. But no, the end of Black Lightning, that's a gut punch. Like I knew, like I had heard it has a big ending, and I was prepared, and even still, it's like, wow, that is just a, oh man, just knock your knock your socks off ending. And and it, it has a fin it has a phenomenal cast. It has a script that should have been fourth wall breaking and it's not. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like at any point the characters could like Kevin Smith style turn to the screen and like look <laughs> at you and they don't. And, yeah. and that, that's what makes it great. Like, you know, the whew, David David Duke's trying to be a politician. We'd never elect a white supremacist to presidency. And yep. they don't they don't give it that boom they just move on. <laughs> we aren't saying it, but you know what we're talking about. Can I also say that in general, I like Topher Grace to be in good things because I grew yes. up on that 70s show. And then he was Eddie Brock, and that was terrible. And so I, I like seeing him in good things. <laughs> I remember the, the Eddie Brock thing was a very, very angry Sam Raimi, not happy that he had to make another movie. Oh, yeah. That's, no, that's I, all that was. Oh, yeah, that was uh, uh, Avi... Uh, yeah, again, Avi Arad. Yeah, exactly. I don't blame Topher Grace. I'm just saying that that's why I like to see him in good things. <laughs> yeah, he was great in this. Um, we, we, you know, when David Duke personally like thinks that you know you're the worst person in the world for how you portrayed him in a movie, <laughs> and then I watch this and <laughs> I go, like right? And I, yeah, he just did it right. Well, um, it just kind of helps because he's so you know naturally likable playing this despicable, terrible person, and. The other thing, I mean, I'd seen Adam Driver and things before The Force Awakens and before, you know, he was Kylo Ren and that will forever be, you know, what everybody remembers him as. Yeah. But he's in this and you'd think, okay, it's a movie called Black Klansman. It's directed by Spike Lee. This movie isn't going to have a place for, you know, you'd think all of the white characters would be secondary. Of course they would be, right? You know yeah. what I mean? That's not. And instead, they Adam Driver, like they have him wrestling with his own stuff. You know, he he has to go in and deal with the clan, and he himself is Jewish. So all of these guys, you know, the movie is angry because they hate, you know, black people so much. But he has to take the full brunt of how much they hate the Jews. And the scenes he's in are incredible. And he, I mean, every actor in this movie is fantastic. But I just didn't expect him to be so. Um, have so many layers to his performance you know what i mean like this is the one that really cemented like wow you are an a plus actor that you know yeah you have been underserved thus far it's funny because i feel like black klansman is the kind of movie anyway again i have but i know that my friends group are the kind of people who would see that poster and see that trailer and not be interested but everything i've heard is so good that i'm like just see this anyway, you know. <laughs> it's it, it, exactly. It's um, it in. Have you ever seen Bamboozled? No. It sounds familiar, but it sounds familiar. So, so Bamboozled is the angriest I've ever seen Spike Lee, and I I love Bamboozled, but Bamboozled is it's Damon Wayans starring as basically what if um someone with the demeanor of like Barack Obama, like it's just that that kind of like you know okay yes I'm you know I, I'm an African American guy but I speak you know, in a way that people will like me, you know what I mean? And it, it has that kind of like, he's, he's kind of forgotten what it means to be who he is. And he mm-hmm. runs a TV studio and he basically producers it. Y- you ever seen the movie, the producers, the yes. Brooks movie, yes. mm-hmm. he decides, you know, it would be great. I, I don't want to work in this anymore. I feel like I've given, you know, my race of 
bad shake by being, you know, so high up muckety muck in this TV place. So I'm going to make a minstrel show that's going to air on TV. And it ends up being the most popular thing ever on TV. And he, (laughs) yeah, this is, this is, (laughs) and it is so pointed and it is so on the nose, but it is, you know, how colossal you you said earlier kind of takes you to a really dark place that you didn't expect. Bamboozled I knew was going to take me to a dark place and it just dug the hole deeper and deeper (laughs) and deeper. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, man, when is he going to let up? And he never does. And, the last 10 minutes of Black Klansman is like the entirety of him, you know, <laughs> where it's just hitting you with shit. Like, uh, over well, you know, I, I'll take I'll take Ulrich's word that sorry to bother you isn't the same, but I will say that your description of I expected to go to a dark place, but then it kept going darker and deeper. Sorry to bother you does that. So interesting. Yeah. I can't wait to see sorry to bother you. I it dropped out of the local theater before I got a chance to go and see it. Yeah. It's it's worth watching. Right. Cool man. So, um, oh, is that one? It's Black Klansman. I mean, it just how long? It only came out like a couple months ago, probably. Yeah, it came out in the summertime. I think it was end like August. I thought. Yeah. Uh I stumbled across a YouTube channel called Generation Tech, and it's one of those rare Star Wars channels that's not complaining about Last Jedi. <laughs> They're getting hard to find. Yeah, I have my own mm. thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. We all we don't have to get into we don't have to get into them here, but I'm very angry. I'm very angry that so many people dislike that movie. <laughs> uh, me and uh, actually, I believe the first episode of this podcast ever was me and talking about our opposing views on that movie. So, Interesting. I'm gonna have to listen to that one. Uh, but yeah, and this one covers my this uh, YouTube channel covers my favorite part of Star Wars: the wars part. In Woohoo! That- yeah, he breaks down the positive and negative aspects of various, you know, the vehicles, the troops, all of that throughout Star Trek. And he does it from within the universe, which has become the square cube law is one of the worst things that nerd culture <laughs> ever learned. I mean, you had this discussion before. It's like, yeah, your suspension of disbelief, sure. Using well, the square cube law to point. End all be all argument for why something in sci fi is bad. And it, it annoys me. It's like, well, the square cube law says that that's not possible. So oh, goodness. it's like, yes, that's a thing. But that isn't the end all be all of the discussion. So he talks about like he did the AT-AT and, you know, all the flaws of that. And it's like, well, you know, the legs it, like I get in the lore, three of them fell over on Hoth because they were not designed properly. And he goes into all of that. So it's this really kind of cool, in-depth, actual in-universe look at to why these things work or don't work within the universe. And it leaves all the science behind, which is what Star Wars is about. Well, and I mean, I, it's space opera. It's not really supposed to be, like, you know, logical. Act. You're not acting about that. And I have fallen down the whole of this series so hard. It's like, ooh, another one I need to watch. Like, one was the evolution of the of, uh, Star Destroyers. Like, oh, there's an origin to those giant flying Doritos? Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it's just, it's, he really does a great job. It's really interesting. And it's nice to find a Star Wars channel that's not trying to pick apart what Episode Nine is going to be about. It's just talking about why, you know, this was awesome or this was, you know, kind of a dumb design. Well, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to try to pick apart the physics of something, you can do it from an in-universe perspective or an out-universe perspective. And the problem is when you try to uh, conflate the two. Because like the square cube law, for instance, is great when you're trying to look at like, okay, how in the real world could we make this work? Or what kind of obstacles we got to deal with? 
Uh, square cube law, for instance, is why giant insects don't work unless they're underwater because like exoskeletons don't work. But if we're going to look at something in universe, then you, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that's like, okay, well, they got magic tech. I mean, there's a reason why, you know, like in Star Wars, something like the Millennium Falcon is like, oh, it's probably got, it's got gravity plating. That doesn't mean anything, but we can just be like in universe. Okay, there's some material that makes so they have artificial gravity. Get get over it. Move on. Yeah, and that's what I love about this channel is that he's and he's a fan. He's very passionate about it. So you know, like I said, it was such this fun random discovery that the YouTube algorithm burped up for me. And uh, the other one is the Hollow. I saw it when it first came out on Netflix. I'm like, I don't know. And then Axel said, "Have you seen the Hollow? You need to watch it. It's really good." And I think I binged through the entire, it's only 10 episodes, like 20 minutes each. Uh, it's this great animated series. And the hook is three kids wake up in a bunker with no memory of how they got there. And then and no room- door. Yes. And, and that's it. It's, it's basically uh, lost. It, yeah. it feels very lost. Like without the bad stuff of Lost, <laughs> it goes somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, no, there's all these like fun little touches. I think my favorite part is they meet the four horsemen. And war can only say war in varying tones of expression. <laughs> well, uh, fun, fun fact, Chris, when Ulrich and I were in high school, uh, we had, us and two of our friends, our nicknames for each other were the Four Horsemen. Uh, Ulrich here was war. I was pestilence. <laughs> and like the best part I thought was, and there's like, this is a kid's show, but there's odd little touches. Like pestilence is wearing a small crown. Excellent. Yep. And that is such a nice touch. And it really, it draws you in because each episode ends on kind of a cliffhanger. And I finished it and Axel and I were talking about it before the show because the ending is a really kind of, you, you want to know more. There and, are a lot of people online who feel like the show is actually ruined by the ending. I don't feel that level, but the ending is very problematic. And I really hope there's a season two that there has to be a deals with it. Two. Because I have so many questions that need answered. And that's why I'm telling people, go watch this. Netflix is making weird choices over there. Give me a season two of The Hollow. Answer the questions. Again, there's 10 episodes. They're 20 minutes each. You can burn through them in a day. Absolutely. It sounds awesome. Oh, it, it's, well, like it's, it's especially awesome that I'll, I'll say I hit episode four. I was watching with my and I paused it. And I turned to her and I said, they're just moving through different mythologies. And that, that ends up being not quite right. But the, the the show seems to be pulling references from a lot of different like mythological cultures and then movie cultures, and it's it's interesting what choices it makes. Yeah, there's a lot going on that I want them to explore in the second. <laughs> well, uh, first off, we'd like to thank Chris for coming on the show. But we can get you on uh, some other time, man. Absolutely, I'd love to do it again. I hope uh, I hope you guys enjoyed having me on. This was great. Yeah, and uh, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. We will keep saying this forever. If you do not share this, no one will see it. And my job, as usual, is to SoundCloud because YouTube algorithm pain to deal with. So instead, we uh, we upload things on SoundCloud. But they don't really consider us legit until we reach like a certain critical mass of views and stuff. So if you'd rather you know download the podcast, listen to it instead of having to sit and stream, then you know find us over there. And SoundCloud has no commercials. Also true. So as always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.